This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi, I'm Alice Cash, and welcome to This Week of Weekly Woman. Today we're reflecting on food in this episode of the podcast. Not only are we talking about cookbooks as a feminist act, we chat with picnic entrepreneur about creating an industry for cooking and a new sort of dining experience during the pandemic. The art of cooking has been and is associated with women throughout history. Think of the 1950s housewife making dinner for her husband, Julia Child teaching us how to cook on her television program, and bloggers giving us the perfect recipes. There are certainly more males in the kitchen now. My boyfriend is a much better chef, and so I much prefer it when he cooks. But what's incredibly exciting about recipe writing and cookbooks is that for the most part, throughout our American history, it was the one place where we could constantly find the voices of women on the page. The first cookbook published by an American in the United States is from 1796 by Amelia Simmons called American Cookery or The Art of Dressing Beyonds, Fish, Poultry, and Vegetables, and the Best Modes of Making Paste, Puffs, Peas, Tarts, Puddings, Custards, and Preserves, and all kinds of cakes from the Imperial Plum to Plain Cake adapted to this country and to all grades of life. Try saying that five times fast. But in all seriousness, this cookbook is one of the first published recipes for pumpkin pie, or what she calls pumpkin pudding, and she's the first to suggest serving cranberry with turkey, creating part of our American legacy in the foods we still eat. The Library of Congress declared this book one of the 80 books that shaped America, as it gave women a guide to both the extravagance of British cooking with an 18-egg cake and the simplicity of American life, adding the cranberry to the turkey with the integration of these two types of recipes, selling well for over 30 years. These recipes and the recipes of all female cookbooks throughout the years give way to our ideas of America and our American culture. Just think of the recipes that Julia Child gave us in 1961 with Mastering the Art of French Cooking. She brought in the ideas of butter into our food and the idea of using few but high quality ingredients. After World War II, Americans wanted quick, convenient food, which gave way to the advent of fast food and processed foods. She pushed Americans to return to the real ingredients, taking upscale cuisine out of the restaurant and onto the kitchen table. Americans knew about French food before child, but she made all of the recipes accessible to the middle class. She even introduced Americans to foods that seem common today, like artichokes. In the 1960s, you had to find them at specialty stores. Her cookbook, Mastering the Art of French Cooking, was revolutionary because it was one of the first books to feature step-by-step instructions with precise measurements and her own details about making each dish. She herself was called a de facto feminist. She wanted to empower other women in the kitchen. We see this in the last sentence of her foreword. Above all, have a good time. Women creating these recipe books and the decisions of what they wanted to make shaped the American palate. Julia Child's book sold 1.5 million copies. That's millions of Americans influenced by these dishes. Food becomes the culture around the dinner table, at Thanksgiving, at parties, and a way to talk to your children and friends. Food brings people together, and the Americans creating these dishes developed new languages through food shaping our American experience. The most successful cookbook in America, Joy of Cooking, was first published in 1936 by Irma S. Rombauer and has sold 18 million copies. The title gives us a similar feel to the notions of child who wanted us to enjoy the cooking experience. 
Rombauer came to cooking to cope with the loss of her husband, Edgar Rombauer, a lawyer from St. Louis who struggled with depression and committed suicide in 1930, widowing Irma at 52. Her children encouraged her to compile her recipes and to get cooking to help her grapple with her mourning. She paid the publisher to get her book out there, and since, it's been the book of American cooking. What made her so successful was her tone of the book. What made her so successful was the tone of her book. Like child, there's a more personal spin to the language. She talks to erudites and ignorant cooks alike through a friendly, unintimidating tone. She creates a she creates recipes in the action method, where instructions are written out like a story where there's a beginning, middle, and an end, with ingredients listed at the point where and when you need them instead of a list at the top of the page. Cookbooks are also something that we pass down. How did you get your first cookbook? Who gave it to you? Who gave you the joy of cooking and whose collection was it from? Where do your favorite recipes come from? Often they're transcribed memories of an older aunt, a grandmother, or perhaps your own mother. They're the foods you grew up with, the times you cooked with your family and friends in the kitchen, and the tastes of a culture that shaped you as you grew up. This is the feminist voice coming through in our collective memory as a nation. These bestsellers give us a voice that's distinctly female, a voice that wants us to cook to give us a little bit of happiness in our kitchens and to call attention to our lives as women. The cookbook gives us insight in the making of an American culture, foods passed down from the colonies that we still eat as we pass down recipe books and recipes from our own cultural consciousness. There's a categorical look at the lives of women in these pieces of paper passed down from our past, the domestic lives, the social lives, and the loves lived within the cuisine of our nation. Where did that recipe come from that you're making for dinner tonight? I want to welcome today our entrepreneur from San Diego Picnics who's reshaping how we eat during a pandemic. Welcome. Miriam is the founder of San Diego Picnics, the sold-out, Instagram-worthy pop-up picnics for all over the city. She's sharing her insights on best picnic practices, her secret to the best picnic food, and her life as an entrepreneur. Welcome, Miriam. Thank you. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on. Um, So can you first tell me, what is your favorite charcuterie? My favorite charcuterie item is definitely cheese. You can um, experiment with different cheeses. Um, There's lots of options with like infused flavors on them. Um, So I can definitely spice up the cheese board a lot. Oh, wow. Infused flavors on them. Like, what does that mean? Um, There's some like, for example, I was using some in August that had um, papaya in them or Merlot tones like the wine. Um, and berries. Um, I think there's some fall ones that we're going to be using pretty soon as well. Has oh like my gosh. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Wow. Okay. What is your go-to cocktail? My go-to cocktail? Um, there is always an option. I always remember this one cocktail that I had in a restaurant at a winery. Um, it was like infused with espresso. I don't remember the name of it, but it was so good. Um, and it had a lot of flavor to it. It was pretty strong notes on it, but it was really, really good. And of course you can never go wrong with, um, just like a margarita with like <laughs> mezcal mixed on it. Incredible. Yeah. And, and so you're from San Diego. Have you always lived there? Yeah, I was born here and have always lived here. So, um, I'm pretty familiar with the city as well. 
Oh, awesome. What's your favorite part of San Diego? My favorite part of San Diego, I think, are the parks. The okay. Um, also, within driving distance, you can go to the mountains, the beach, um, the desert as well. So you have like lots of options to, it's very versatile city, definitely. So like all the different places that you can picnic to. Yeah, definitely. To every park. What is, what is your favorite place to picnic? My favorite one, it's either Balboa Park or Mount Soledad. Um, Mount Soledad has stunning views of La Jolla. You can see like the beach um, and the city down below. And Balboa Park is just a pretty iconic place to visit when you're oh, here. Oh, wow. So how did you end up starting your picnic business? Can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, um, so I started in, I was furloughed from my job um, and I was home for a couple months like everyone else. Yeah. And I was looking, um, photography was kind of non-existent at that point. You know, everybody was staying at home. Um, I had done a couple proposals last year and the year before where I will help the um, the guys kind of set up, do a little cute setup, you know, based off Pinterest photographs to propose to his girlfriend. And um, every time I would do those, people will always ask me at the location I was doing them if I only did them for pictures or if I could offer them, you know, just for regular people trying to have a date night. Um, and I always just kind of like said, no, not yet. I don't really do that. I just do photography. But um, while well, I was at home, I just thought like I had a lot of friends that were telling me like their anniversary dates or their trips got canceled. So they were just like, oh, we can't do anything. Um, restaurants are not being open. Um, so that's kind of how kind of something clicked there. I'm like, oh, well, you guys can have a picnic, but we'll make it nice and romantic. Um, and I started telling some friends, I'm like, hey, do you guys want to model for me or I'll give you guys one? Um, I did have some pictures from the proposals, which are the ones that I posted at first. But oh, awesome. Yeah, so I, I posted those, like if you see my Instagram, you'll probably see those at the beginning. But I did offer it to friends and then slowly just went from there and and yeah. Wow, and now you've just like, you've been so sold out, you're, you're like all over the city. Um, what's been your favorite picnic that you've planned so far? Um, well, I just do the most recent one that I just did this weekend. Um, the couple was really, really grateful. Um, I did my most elaborate one, the boho at Dwindency. Um, It was a really nice day. They got a stunning sunset, um, and it was a surprise for him for their anniversary date. And wow. they loved. Yeah, it was really, really nice day. Um, she was so grateful. Like she sent me a cute little video that she made from her date. Um, yeah, so it's 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 kind of nice when you see that end result of how they enjoyed it and you see their pictures and their videos. Mm -hmm. What what do you think makes the perfect picnic? I think what makes the perfect picnic is definitely having a good location hmm. that um, has a good sunset and also a good chaseboard that has really good options, you know, trying to eat something that's like finger foods and enjoy your view and being with your significant other. So we've got to stop and talk about our sponsor, Jubilance for PMS. It's a daily supplement that helps you be you. 
Jubilance is an over-the-counter nutritional supplement shown in clinical trials to relieve the emotional symptoms of PMS. That means less stress, anxiety, and more of getting back to your life. You deserve to be your best self all month long. And thanks to modern science, PMS is now optional. It's the first and only product for emotional PMS backed by real science with double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed studies. And it works. I work for Jubilance because I'm here to help women, and this is the real deal. Jubilance isn't just a product. It's a global mission to make PMS mood swings a thing of the past. The Jubilance Sisterhood is a movement of thousands of strong women escaping the PMS struggle with science, sharing, and communal support. We're here for you each week with stories of amazing women, your weekly playlist on Spotify, and for you to dish and cry about periods on our Facebook group. So why not give Jubilance a try? Go to www.jubilance.com to learn more. Do you have like se- like secret food tips that we should all be trying? Like what should we put on that cheese board? Um, I would say definitely go with the seasonal cheeses that there's at the stores, local stores. I am obsessed with like the ones that Trader Joe's offer. Um, they have really, really good items on there. So if you just like go to the cheese um, section and check those out, you can definitely um, find some really good options there. Oh, that's awesome. And what has been the most difficult part about starting a new business? Um, I think the most difficult part was um, it did take off really well. So right now um, I did manage to find a team to help me. Um, So I had, that was the most difficult part, finding people that kind of were interested in offering those services and helping me because I realized I couldn't do that by myself. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, just like realizing that I can't handle everything um, and I need help and just um, asking for help and finding other people that have those qualities that can like, you know, bring in um, those qualities to the business. Oh, amazing. And do you still offer like the photography with the, the picnic as well? So you're doing both of your passions? Yeah, yeah, I do offer them. I have done a few of them as well, like as photography options. So I enjoy that a lot. Um, it is a little bit more tiring um, to do both, but it's just the end result. It's, it's very satisfying. Like I really enjoy, you know, setting up and taking them pictures. And that I not only do I do them on the picnic, I also showcase like the landscape and the scenery as well. Oh, lovely. And you said like you've had like some proposals that you've helped arrange. Can you talk a little bit about those? Like tell us like the most romantic one. The most romantic one. Um, well, they're all pretty romantic because we've done it <laughs> on the beach um, and we wait to like the perfect lighting time, sunset time. Wow. Um, I think the most interesting that I just photographed was a couple months ago, I think in June, like right when COVID was still, you know, we were still a stay-at-home shelter. Um, It was interesting, you know, trying to plan that one because they wanted family to see, to see. But, you know, we weren't really allowed to have a lot of people there. So we had to choose a location. I think I chose a downtown one um, where everybody could stay um, looking at a safe distance, but still kind of like celebrate with them from far away. So it was a really interesting way. And then, you know, trying to have those masks on while we photograph and they propose. So it was definitely interesting. Um, It's one I will remember for sure, because it was during this weird times. 
It is definitely a weird time, but it sounds like you've been making the most of it. Just like starting a new business and like, it's really taking off. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so something we always ask on this podcast is, um, what is your definition of womanhood? Definition of womanhood. I think it's mostly having a community that supports you. Um, definitely having friends um, and your family, the women that represent your family and how they look at you and obviously not being in a competition with everyone. So I just really, I'm a film delivering community. So the uplifting other women, um, not bringing them down um, and supporting them and um, their entrepreneurs. So I've always looked for those women that are starting businesses or they believe in something. Um, I want to support them. So definitely community over competition and not getting into those um, traits that can definitely make you harm in the long way. That's awesome. And if you had any advice for a woman just like walking down the street, what would you say to them? I would tell them to definitely be confident. And if you have an idea or just kind of um, something in your heart that you really want to do, um, but you're doubting yourself, definitely go for it. Um, and they will, there will be people that will support you. And um, it's just taking that first step that's going to be the hardest. But once you do, you'll see that it's definitely worth it. That's awesome, Miriam. Yeah, and that's definitely what you did. Like, just take that first step with this new business. And it's really paid off. It's amazing. Thank you. I'm so um, happy. Yeah. And how can people find out about your business? Where should they, where should they go? And how can they contact you about setting up a picnic? We can, you can go to our website, sanigopicnics.com. We're also on social media on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, TikTok. Awesome. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add, Miriam? Uh, yeah, we're launching soon our fall picnics. Um, and we're about to release all of our videos and photographs for those. Um, so hopefully we'll get um, people interested in those um, along with the beach picnics because those are pretty sold out for the next few months. So I'm wow. offering something else, um, you know, just a good experience with also iconic San Diego views. That's awesome. Wow. The fall picnic. That sounds so lovely. <laughs> yeah. Also my season. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on, Miriam. It was so nice to get to talk to you. No, thank you. Thank you.